Thunder Media. On today's show, we look at the most successful driver in Super 2 history, Paul Dumbrell, and why he went back to Super 2s after his main game career. My journey in the second time was just there to you know, ensure I was you know, race fit and race ready. And, and I looked at it in a different way that you know it was a great opportunity to help other drivers. He also won the great race at Mount Panorama with one of his closest friends, Jamie Winkup. When I was, I uh, must have been 12 or 13 year olds, we were watching Bathurst. Uh, it was Ben Lounsey, might have been Lounsey's debut there. And uh, we were cleaning my go-kart on the Sunday and watching the race in the garage. And uh, well, very early on to my career, and he uh, said, sort of, well, this is going to be an interesting journey. And, you know, it's a, not, not, a, not a cheap sport and I think he's challenged me, you know, what, what do you want to get out of this? And I said, well, I want to win Bathurst. Paul Dumbrell talks about his racing career and about how development in the sport is progressing. And it starts now on Inside Supercars. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by a man who has uh, didn't go to Sandown because he's busy with his family and four kids under the age of uh, six would keep you pretty busy. But Paul Dumbrell, welcome back to the show. Um, it's been a long time since we've had you on, uh, and it prompted me when I was talking to Tom Randall about Rob Wilson, but we'll get to that in a minute. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. It's a, uh, a few years retired now, so... Uh my media, my media interviews have been a few and far between. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can have a laugh, uh, laugh on today's show. Um, I, I feel I always have a special link with you, Paul, because I was there at Simmons Plains that time you turned up in Xavier uniform. Uh, I remember it so well with uh, John Faulkner uh, nearby. Of course, John being a driving partner of your father. Yeah, no, it's quite uh, quite amazing uh, the the interlinked of uh, the history over the years as well. Back in the the Capri in the seventies with John and Gary, uh, and then yeah, able to, to do that race, uh, which was unfortunately a very wet weekend uh, down there. But uh, uh, yeah, no, a lot of history and a lot of water to go has uh, gone under the bridge since then. We'll just tell our, our listeners as to uh, your career a bit. Now you won. What was the Conica Series? First of all, in '02, when it was the Conica Series, and by the time it came around, your second win was 2014. It was no longer Conica; it might have been uh, the Paul Morris Benefit uh, Series. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but you not only won it, but you actually uh, four times you were runner-up in that series. Um, um, you obviously enjoyed uh, that collaboration, uh, working with a bunch of people like Marty Brandt and independent race cars, as well as other teams you raced for. Yeah, I think I sort of had two two stints, you know, before my my full time career and, and after my full time career. I think the, the first the first stint, uh, I think yeah, we were second in the first year and won the second year. I, I think the the story goes, uh, um, Simon Wills and I were. 
on the front row uh, in the last race of the, the last uh, round. Uh, and I think I was leading the championship by a couple of points, but uh, that race didn't go my way and finished second and then uh, won the next year and then went up uh, to drive for a few years with Larry and, and so on. And then the second part of uh, my, my sort of Super 2 or development series journey was after my retirement from full-time and uh, – I think after the 2012, my first year with Jamie and Triple Eight, um, you know, we Roland and and Dutto and and I sort of spoke, and Jamie spoke about you know making sure I was race fit. And uh, the Eaglestons had a great sort of uh, relationship with uh, the Triple Eight team, and uh, I went uh, on to drive uh, with with them for for a number of years, and that was a a, a, re- a lot of fun. A great bunch of people um, that we had. We, we had some, a number of drivers come through, um, you know, some who have now gone on and made you know, successful careers in the main series. Will, Will Brown, but probably being the, the key standout has been doing a great job as well. So, um, it was yeah, good to be able to, uh, you know, uh, be, uh, be a part of that journey and, uh, and have a, have a bit of fun. And we want to see races along the way as well. I know you're not aware of it, but you're still in the record books of having the most round wins in the development series, the most race wins in the development series, the most in a season. So that was 16 round wins, 41 race wins, and 15 in one season, which is all a record Shane Van Gisburn-like. Um, and it, it's quite extraordinary how well you did in that series. Dean Canto won the series twice, but he had quite a quite a span in between, like yourself in some ways, but uh, um, it, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, you also had you know the most podiums. Um, and th- these records... I mean, for instance, the most race wins in the series. You had 41 mm. of those. The next best is Dean Cantor with 21. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a 20-race-win 20, 20 gap you've got. So I think it's going to be some time before anybody uh, breaks that record. But the cars, obviously, also, you, you must have liked enormously. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Tony, you know, there was a couple of fair bit of flack in my, my second stint in Super 2. You know, should they allow, you know, main series drivers who are coming back uh, in? You know, there was a, certainly a bit, of a bit of friction, a bit of controversy on there. You know, hey, my my role and and my my journey in the second time was just there to you know, ensure I was you know race fit and race ready, and and I looked at it in a different way. That you know, it was a great opportunity to help other drivers and also um, you know uh, be part of uh, that next generation coming coming through as well. Yeah, no, it, it was it was great fun. I said it was around really really good people. So you know, Ben and Rachel and and the team at Eggleston, uh, you know. Um, Definitely made it a lot easier, um, you know. In, in going back, it was a it was a lot of fun, and it really fitted where my life was 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 at the time, and and certainly to ensure I was race fit um, for for Jamie and the Triple Eight team. So that was obviously the, the key driver of, of me doing it as well. But uh, no, as I said, we had a, we had a lot of fun. We we uh, we lost the championship right at the end. Uh, there a bit of contact at Bathurst, so could have uh, could have been a. Could have been uh, better uh, over the years, but um, but no, I reflect back really fondly on my time about how good it was. And of course, the, the one thing that uh, you did do was ten years ago, coming up for this year, is win Bathurst with your friend and schoolmate Jamie Winkup. That is is obviously the culmination of any driver's career to get that. It would have pleased your father enormously. Uh, the story, when I was, I uh, must have been 12 or 13 year olds, we were watching Bathurst. Uh, it was been Lounsey, it might have been Lounsey's debut there, and uh, we were cleaning my go-kart on the Sunday and watching the race in the garage. And uh, we well, very early on to my career, and I think he uh, said, well, well, this is going to be an interesting journey, and you know, it's a, not, not, a, not a cheap sport. And I think he's challenged me, you know, what, what do you want to get out of this? Um, and, and I said, um, you know, well, I want to win Bathurst. Um, so... 
yeah, it's ironic, you know, to do it with one of my best mates, Jamie. Uh, you know, we've grown up together since we were 12 or 13 with Will Davison. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty uh, um, amazing sort of journey and really a privilege to have the opportunity to race for Red Bull for, you know, a number of years um, with Jamie and in that environment. Certainly learned a lot from it and, and hopefully, uh, uh, yeah, we won Bathurst. We, uh, we feel like we probably... Uh, Missed a few there as well, but we certainly uh, certainly gave uh, everyone a lot to talk about, which uh, which was that we, we wore our heart on our sleeve and we did our best. Having used the Dunlop series to go up and come back for two different reasons, I want to ask you, are you a strong advocate for the Dunlop series? Because we've seen more and more young drivers deciding to forgo the Dunlop series to pick up two, maybe three drives in the main game as being more valuable for their career path, I think I think a combination is best. I, I, I honestly believe you know the, the miles that you get in the in a super two, you know, um, is really key. I think you know in the Gen three cars, it's probably going to be a, a slightly different um, challenge. That um, you know the cars will be so different that the learning maybe not be as great for these you know one or two years ahead um, that that they will have. But I think overall, I think you know a combination of a, a super two program. And a wild card uh, or two is the best of both worlds. I, I strongly believe that that's that's sort of the the right development pathway or model moving forward. We've also seen the fluctuations in numbers, which come from changeovers of cars and just the ebb and flow. So we now have Super Two, Super Three racing together, but the grids have exploded. Next year, with a change of car, you, you can never be quite sure where the series is going to sit. Yeah, absolutely. That's a challenge, isn't it? It's uh, you know there was even in my second stint um, times where yeah, yeah there was twelve and fourteen cars, but you know there were also groups at twenty five. So it, it's a challenge, you know, in the current economic environment that the world faces. The uh, faces, you know, it's not a cheap, not cheap, uh, you know, sport motorsport and Super Two itself is naturally you know uh, quite quite challenging. So. I think the grids in, in all the support categories do fluctuate um, when they're just focusing on the professional side. You know, Porsche with the AM and the Pro model, it opens itself up to a wider sort of audience. But I think in the Super 2 program, um, you know, it's very much around, you know, the people who are trying to build a, a long-term supercar career um, that they're aiming for, and that's probably driven, you know, a bit of the variability over the years as well. Well, one of my distinct memories of when you were driving full-time in the series was when you went to Rob Wilson's. Now, um, I mentioned earlier that uh, recently Tom Randall took his engineer with him. They went in between Tail and Bend and Sandown. Tail and Bend, of course, he had a massive uh, uh, rear ender from uh, stalling on the grid. But when you went, there was a fair bit of controversy. I broke the news in race facts back in about 05 when you went to Rob Wilson's. A lot of people said, yeah, you need to go there and all those things. Rob Wilson does things in a different way. Please tell us something about how you found that very first time. Well, uh, he picked me up uh, from uh, from the airport, and uh, I think we had a Volkswagen or, or a front-wheel drive car, uh, which was uh, quite amazing. I thought, what have I got myself into? Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just quite enlightening. It's all about the psychology and the style of how to uh, optimise speed as well. And, and, and Rob was, you know, doing F1 drivers at that time as well, but it wasn't probably as well known. But, you know, his track record, um, he's certainly you know, unblemished. Yeah, he's had F1 teams, he's had McLaren and Williams and, and, and many teams and, and drivers from around the world. So it certainly was a step change in my career, and I went back again a number of years later as a reefer as well. So 
no, it's certainly something which I look back on and, uh, yes, you're exactly right, copped a fair bit of flack about, you know, a V8 driver having to go get uh, coached. You know, that's uh, obviously he doesn't deserve to be there. But, you know, how quickly sport change and, you know, coaches, um, you know, in other sports, that's what that's what the model is. In supercars, it's not really the, the seen pathway, but I think, you know, it's certainly changed um, a little bit over the years as well. How does doing something, an intense program like that, where you're looking inward, just looking at yourself, change the way you go about your business when you do come back to your your regular job of driving in the main game? Yeah, I think it's all the it's all the one percenters. Um, like you know, there is no light bulb moment where you go, "Oh, that's how you drive a car." Like it's just all that style and thinking about the you know the the human inputs um, to the dynamics of the car and what impact that has on on the performance of the car, on tyre life uh, and all those aspects. So, as I said, you know, it's just philosophy um, which, uh, you know, um, open your eyes. And some of the stuff is, you know, common sense. But, you know, when you're in the cut and thrust of the battle and, you know, in supercars, you know, four test days uh, these days, you know, the time to try, uh, you know, styles and whatnot is really limited. So it's really, really hard to manage that on an ongoing basis. So, yeah, sometimes that time to reflect. And as well, I think, you know, it's a 20-hour flight to get to the UK. So you sort of have a bit of a self-reflection um, as well um, going through that journey as well. Interestingly, uh, Tom Randall talked about the, the very thing, and, and he uh, did it slightly differently to most drivers I know of because he took his engineer with him. Now, they've obviously done six or eight rounds together. They had worked together in the past. Um, and he talked about how that it was terrific to actually have his engineer there with him because he realised it was a far less digital um, thing trying to get the car working in the right way and having Ray there in the car gave him that opportunity to actually, you know, get out of the, the squiggles and the lines on a, a laptop but to be talking about it in an analogue way, the driving of the car. So it, it, the very thing you're talking about is is what uh, Tom Randall found and has found a good, uh, a good result because he's had... Uh, Probably his best uh, round of the week of the year at Sandown last weekend. For viewers or for listeners at home, I think the the key insight was is just the difference in in you know how he goes about it. It's in a road car, so you, you're actually doing all these things in a road car, um, and uh, you know so there's no no mo tech, there's no data, etc. It's absolutely all about um, you know the the your human input into the dynamics of the car and the benefits that you can have or the impact that you can have um, on the, on the performance of a car. I've always been fascinated by the role of the team manager, the team engineer and the driver's interrelationship and then the interrelationship with the uh, mechanics and, and the crew. How have you, having you know CEO positions and very high-level management positions, looked at the dynamics of a race team and then the dynamics of what you have been responsible for throughout your professional career? Yeah, it's definitely a, a really interesting dynamic. Um, you know, the building of a team and, and working within an environment, I probably learned, you know, most from the Triple Eight experience I had uh, in the years, just in that, you know, high-performing culture within a sporting organisation of how critical, um, you know, performance performance is um, and, and, you know, the reflection on your performance and how you... Uh, win um, as a team, you know, it was a really big uh, eye-opener for me and something which I've sort of used some of those insights into my business career, um, you know, whilst I was racing, but also after after my racing career as well. 
are they readily interchangeable or are they uh, a skill set as in people management and business alignment and things like that? I definitely think they're absolutely interchangeable. Um, I think, you know, the high-performing team, whether or not it's in a corporate organisation or whether or not it's in a sporting organisation, um, you know, culture breeds success and it breeds accountability, you know, having a culture of, you know, sharing a common vision and common goal. Um, you know, you can achieve, achieve many, many things as as, uh, as one team. So, no, I think for, for me it's, uh, yeah, it's been a big, big uh, opportunity uh, for me in my career as well, being in those sporting environments um, as well. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Um, it's interesting to reflect that I, I kind of remember talking with Larry back in uh, 05 over in Barbagello because you flew straight from that round to England to uh, go and have your time with Rob Wilson. Um, one of the things, of course, I uh, I know is that uh, Rob Wilson raced in the same time as Larry in RT ones. That's in Rolt RT one. So, um, and it was somebody Larry uh, certainly knew Rob, and so that whole thing was made very easy for you, wasn't it? Yeah, no, Larry. Larry, uh, you know, he was a tough taskmaster um, at the time, and 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 you know, I reflect back on him whilst I was hard at the time. You know, I look back. Uh, my time there now, and you know, he was trying to drive the best out of for his business and and you know performance, and I wasn't sort of living up to you know what I could do to be perfectly frank, let alone what what the opportunity saw in me. So um, no, it was it was a challenging time at the time, but you know he really made me uh, and challenged me um, to be a better driver. I think the the funny story was, as we all know, Larry loves his helicopters and planes, so he suggested to me that I should get my helicopter license, which I thought was a great idea, and I asked him why, and he said. Well, if you concentrate as much as you do uh, in a race car in a helicopter, you'll kill yourself. So, it might be a good uh, good way for you to uh, learn how to concentrate, uh, you know, in a helicopter because it is the difference between life and death. So, um, no, Larry, we had a good time, and it's quite a quite funny. I moved into an apartment with my wife Rosie uh, a number of years ago, probably five or six years ago, and there was four apartments on this floor. And I step out of uh, step out of the lift, and guess who lives on the same floor? Uh, Larry Perkins. So. Um, quite quite funny, uh, the journey that we uh, we travelled over over 15 odd years. I saw him last weekend with his wife Raylene, and uh, it's certainly good to see them uh, still going back and keeping Jack uh, on his toes, so to speak. Well, Paul, I hope that uh, uh, with four kids under the age of six, it obviously it's got a fair while before you uh, get a chance to really talk to them about your motor racing. But I had the opportunity this year to interview Rod James. And I interviewed not only Rod, but his two daughters. And uh, the interesting thing was that Rod told me that it was those two girls who actually convinced him to go back motor racing again, to get back into Carrera Cup with Sonic. And because they'd never really seen their dad in a race suit before, so they wanted to do that. Now, I'm not suggesting there's a racing career in 10 years' time for you, but uh, I hope you get a chance to... uh, sit down this October with your children and talk about your motor racing career. Paul Dumbrell, yeah, thank right. you for joining us again on Inside Supercars. Thank you very much. Good to chat and, uh, yeah, uh, good luck. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.